And um, right. to, be, to be honest with you, thank you very much, everybody, for coming on the show. Uh, uh, my name is Atai Albert. You're on to one on one with King Coco. I have my awesome co hosts today on the show. Uh, some uh, my black American sister that's been very, very Afrocentric, she's done a whole lot in the continent, especially last year, uh, the year of the return of uh, 400 years after a first set of brothers were taken out of Africa. So, uh, I'm very excited to have her. Her name is uh, Latisha Devishna. Latisha, can you say hi to your people? Devisha Johnson here. This is Devisha L. Johnson. You can call me Ajua. I think that's that's better for the purposes of the show. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me again. Ajua, I gotta have you here. I think I, I like that name too because it flows much much better <laughs> through my list right. because it's very familiar. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you uh, deciding to just uh, partner with us on this platform because. It's very important we start talking, and uh, I know uh, your role within the community here in Atlanta, and I'm very, very proud to say that uh, you've done very wonderful things. So we appeal that you bring that, you bring that same energy. Yeah. What do you say? Also, I appreciate it. I I look forward to uh, you know coming on the show and running my mouth as I usually do. I think it's important, like you said, um, to have all types of varying perspectives from throughout the diaspora, especially right now, and especially um, in the United States when we're talking about unifying our people just in general. So I think we need to talk about solutions. And, you know, it's great to be offered the opportunity to co-host this show with you. And I look forward to it every single Sunday. And I'm going to share with everyone, everybody that's listening, please go share this on YouTube and Facebook and um, all of your platforms so that we can get engaged with everybody to have these kinds of conversations. I'm glad to be representing millennial generation and for women in general. So I'm ready to talk about it. Whoa, that's a pretty cool rundown. Uh, we're very excited to have you here, like I said earlier, and uh, we're looking forward to exploring a whole lot of new opportunities and new grounds with this collaboration. So I uh, thank everybody that's joining us on uh, t25cl.com. Uh, Galaxy Talk Radio, the official platform for talk show, uh, hosted on Talk Show. Uh, this is King Coco Show. Uh, our show is basically uh, was basically designed to to provide opportunity for people of African descent. You know, we are 1.3 billion people in African continent, and another another point about 500 million there about globally. And uh, in America alone, we're not talking about two point something trillion dollars economy. And uh, in the Caribbean, we're talking about a very high percentage of Afrocentric black folks out there. Uh, so uh, we just, uh, I think it was just right at the right time that uh, we needed to start discussing in a whole new different dimension. We've all uh, been stuck with all kinds of uh, information about each other which is why we look forward to discussing and getting to understand what we all think about each other, how we've been able to be kept apart, and why we have to come back together and start talking, why we have to explore new frontiers, why we have to delve into the issue of racism in America as Africans and African continent as a whole. I'm pretty happy to hear that uh, the 55 African countries have submitted a petition to the United Nations on racism in America. So it's important right. that this thinking was initiated. And uh, you see, sometimes 
I'm a very spiritual person. You might be the beginning of stuff, but who's going to take it to a whole different dimension? It's left for nature to decide, you know? So at all times, we're looking for collaboration to be able to, to sustain this handshake across the planet. So it's going to be very interesting because the perspective is going to be something that a lot of my brothers in Africa probably don't share, they don't know, because uh, we've been denied history, not just in America, we've been denied history as well right. in, our, in, in some African countries. I bet you will be shocked to know that there's uh, some of our history that is not even taught in school. So the, the young generation where I come from might not have a clue what really happened during slavery and all that stuff or why the situation is what it is in America. So that is really what's really going on. So your perspective is going to be very, very important because uh, a whole lot of people of your generation are much younger are yearning to understand how, how did you get here? Okay, you've been here so long. What are the challenges? What do you think about us back in African continent? And all that, so we're going to have to discuss all that. So um, uh, it's going to be very engaging, you know. So uh, I hope for you to, to give me an insight. I'll probably talk to you today as my main partner and co-host. So I'm going to involve you a whole lot in, in a certain perspective. Oh, okay. You know, you've done a lot of trip to Africa. How has it been your experience out of tripping into Africa in and out? I know you've done almost four or five trips there already. <laughs> yeah, so I went to Ghana is the only place that I've gone thus far. And, you know, at, before I got on the show this evening, I was talking to um, my staff person out there about registering my business and getting some other stuff going on um, from the businesses that we already have there. But I've had a wonderful experience thus far going to Ghana. I think it had a lot to do with um, before I went. I spent about eight months researching what I wanted to do, which is agribusiness. And I got really um, involved and educated on what the business climate was there, how much things cost, who to meet with. I sent a lot of emails to set up meetings with people when I got there. So when I got on the ground in Ghana the first time, I kind of just ran with it and met a whole bunch of people and built a bunch of relationships. And I did that the next time I went also. And then I started um, conducting business and having um, conversations about how I was going to make money to be able to transition my family and do this move next year. So I've had a wonderful experience thus far. I think there's a lot. Um, I did have some ups and downs like everybody does anywhere starting a business. But I think, you know, as black people, we have to realize that black black people are black people everywhere. The only thing right. that's different is geography. So the same issues you have with um, the dude down the street here in Atlanta, Georgia, from the east side that tries to rip you off is the same thing that's going to happen if you go to Ghana or Nigeria or Ethiopia or anywhere else. So I think the bigger problem that we have as African-Americans and going to Ghana is, or going to Africa in general, mm -hmm. is that it's too, it's too full. So from the African side, it's, we're automatically assuming that we have millions of dollars and that we're going to spend all this money to do um, really big business. And the ex currency exchange rate of money, like I say all the time, in any of these African countries is so advantageous for us to go spend a little amount of money that a small business has here can do very well in an African country. So I think we as African-Americans need to not, you know, try to go big or go home when dealing with Africa. It's a slow, steady race. And we need to take our time and, you know, build over the next five to 10 years. And then people on the other side, um, on the continent, need to realize that every African-American that come over there is not Beyonce or Jay-Z. We're not coming over there with uh, 10, $20 million 
to build a whole to build a whole city. Like there has to be some kind of collaboration. Nigerians come over here and are all over the United States, and a lot of them have big business here. And it takes a lot more money to do big business here than it does in Africa. So I think the opportunities are there. And then right now during COVID-19 and with protests and people getting shot in the street in America as a black man, you shouldn't want to be here, number one. Number two, as a black woman, if you have sons, brothers, nephews, uncles, dad, whatever, you shouldn't want them to be here or you to be here either because it's just not safe. So you, if you're going to have an alternative option of somewhere else to go and still be able to sustain yourself, so, people uh, are getting unemployment. I just got my unemployment. So me, you, can, me, you can basically live in Africa in right in now and be living off the U.S. dollars. Yeah, let me jump in right there. Let me jump in. So how can the continent exploit the current situation in America? Because uh, this show is more of talking about solutions, you know, not necessarily about killing ourselves with the problem because we know the problems are there. How can the system, the American system, take advantage and how can the African continent take advantage of a current mindset? Because I've spoken with a couple of my friends, all the east side, west side of Atlanta, and uh, most people are in such a mood to just explore somewhere else. And where else can a black man go that is not going to be somewhere you go stand out like a sore tongue? So how can right. we take advantage of this situation with your experience in terms of what government action should look like and individual actions, or in terms of what we as a platform, what can we create to facilitate this this relationship? Okay, so the number one I thing I say to everybody is just follow the money. So nobody can help anybody else broke. If we don't have any money, then we can't do anything. We have no power. We already know that the black dollar is an economic base. So the solution to the issue right now is to utilize all this free money that the U.S. government is giving to people just in general because of COVID-19 and all the lack of jobs and the market crashing and all that. So you got, as an African-American, you have unemployment, even if you're self-employed, I'm self-employed. So you can get $600 a month plus regular unemployment in any state whether you're African-American or not, right now in the U.S. till July 25th. That's $600 plus probably another $200, $800 a week. Free money. Free money. So if you save that money, you got $3,200, $3,400 a month just from that. Plus there's all kinds of um, grants coming out from the government, from the USDA for agriculture, from technology, all of these big corporations that are feeling some type of way because Black folks are burning up their stuff now in these streets. They're giving diversity, inclusion, grant for this. Do you have a project? We'll give you $10,000 free dollars. We'll give you $20,000 free dollars because they're realizing that they're losing ground. So there's free, there's so much free money right now for us to capitalize on to save and then collaborate those funds to be able to go do some of these things on the continent as a people together. So now we don't need somebody else that doesn't look like us to loan us some money to make sure we have good credit to be able to go, that, that is irrelevant and a mute point right now. Right now there's free money. I suggest everyone go apply the PPP money. People are still waiting on that. I'm still waiting on that money. This is your goal. This is your reparation. If you're in the United States right now and you're a citizen and pay taxes, the United States is giving you reparations in the form of unemployment. For the next 40 weeks, you can get free money, not doing anything whatsoever. Now, if they did get reparations, I don't know how long it would take for you to get or how much you would get. 
but this is guaranteed because I'm, I'm a living proof that unemployment is going to allow me to be able to pay for all types of things on the continent, start my business, ship cars, all types of things. And that's coming from free money from the government because of COVID-19. So I think that's one of the first solutions we need to talk about is where do we get the funds? We already talk about there's lack of access to capital. Right now is a major opportunity. And from the other side, working with these banks, like you said, the AFCTA and the petition of the AU to um, be heard in front of the United Nations, that's huge. That opportunity is huge to just get yourself in the marketplace in the African continent, which means there's governments in the African continent that are listening. They want ideas coming from their own people. They're not just looking to hire white lobbyists to go mm-hmm. talk in DC about what these issues are. They're willing to listen to us and work with us. I think there's a, the, it's right now is the opportune time for us to collaborate on a governmental and business level on both sides. But we gotta see, have access to funds. Right, right. Access to funds is pretty cool, and I think uh, it's it's it, I'm happy those opportunities are just uh, creeping in right now. But in, in 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 reflection of what the host countries have to do, we have Kenya, have Ethiopia, you have uh, Rwanda, you have Ghana, you have Nigeria. Uh, these are all economies that are not doing badly at all. But they have must they create a program that will really facilitate this movement back to Africa, because uh, I'm of the opinion that the, the continent should have a plan to reintegrate his, his sons that are coming back. And I'm equally very strong of the opinion that uh, the continent of Africa will develop what we have, most of our brothers back that have been able to empower themselves technologically and otherwise so that they can actually contribute to the development of the continent. Let me tell you something. If you look at the United UN SDG goals, goal number 17 yeah. speaks about global partnership. Kofi Annan brought in global partnership as a major goal of reintegrating people that have left their, their ancestral land to go back there under a protected status. So yeah. they can actually have an easy pathway of reintegration. And that will be opportunity for them to, to transfer their intellectual property, their wealth they have acquired over time, back to any location of the choice. But for some strange reason, there's still a lot of awareness within the UNSDG implementation team or uh, in different countries. So they're not really exploring this because this was designed to help people of African descent from anywhere in the world to choose any country in Africa and say, okay, I want to repatriate my earnings in Trinidad and Tobago back to this country. I want to uh, repatriate some of my investment from America to any country. So what do you think countries, governments, leadership in the African continent should really do to support this situation, which is very, very serious right now? I think, I think, I think the number one thing and the first thing they need to do is realize what the needs of the local people are. Because I think that's the bigger the bigger issue is when you ask people to come to do some development or come home to your country and what can the governments do to facilitate that happening. Yet there needs to be ease of doing business, but there also needs to be a bigger understanding what, about what the local people want. Because you have governments that are saying, OK, we want the year return and we want people to come here to do business and all of that but then the local people feel some type of way because they're not receiving these funds for the revenue from the tourism ministry 
or they're not, uh, they feel like they're being competing with jobs that aren't really there. So I think we first need to look at what's going on in these individual countries as the government try to ask people to come back there and facilitate programs that are specific to certain types of industries. Like for Ghana, for instance, has the one district, one factory program. Me as a foreigner, I don't have any inroads to get into utilizing that program. There's lots of people that are in Ghana that are local that need that program, but they also need funds for development. So I think the government needs to have just as easy it is for me to start a business here in the U.S., I need to be able to start a business in Ethiopia or Tanzania or Lesotho if, if that's what I choose to do. But advertising, marketing, and branding are the number are the number three things that Ghana did so well, which is why people even have an interest, which is why there's right. an influx of people wanting to go do business there because they're they then they continue to market and brand themselves as the return for African Americans. Every time something happens in the American news now, Ghana has a reaction to it. There's a George Floyd funeral and memorial service in Ghana from the Ministry of Tourism. They're always in the news talking about if you don't like it there, come back to Ghana. So there has to be a willingness for the government to spend some dollars in marketing their country like Ghana did to say, we want you to come here, but not only do we want you to come here, Ghana then also developed the Office of Diaspora Afri African Affairs or something like that. Right. So that facilitates direct relationships with those of us in the diaspora that want to come to Ghana to do business. The Ghana Investment Promotion Center has incentives just for those of us in the diaspora. So I think all these other countries need to take a note from that and develop programs specific to certain industries and then allow, especially those of us in the diaspora, not foreigners, but those Black people that do not live on the continent, we need special provisions just for right. us. If it's $100,000 U.S. for a foreigner to come do business in, in any part of Africa, then as an African-American, I shouldn't be charged that same $100,000. The government should give me some provisions to be able to come do that like a local person would but still make sure that I have a 50-50 partnership with a local person. There's plenty of public policy that can be created to facilitate some of these programs. And a lot of this doesn't cost a bunch of money either. I just think they need to get, you know, understand what local people want and then figure out how to market themselves to the, to the rest of us. You see, you just, you just hit the nail right there on the, on, the, on the head because I've always been of the opinion that uh, it is very, very important to come. Actually, I'm working on some programs, but based on what you just said, I think uh, we're going to do some off-screen collaboration on that because I've spoken with leadership in one of that major, in Nigeria, as a matter of fact, in the Foreign Affairs Department. And it would be nice if we could come up with something to drive that process because they have a full office for, for diaspora, but apparently, knowing what, what happens on my end, it might not always be the best guy that has the job. So thereby the, the whole purpose right. suffers. So we're going to have to really look at that. Uh, to be honest with you, that's why I really wanted Pastor Jean on the show, the lady that I uh, called from Tonska, Oklahoma, that is behind uh, a particular initiative. Because I want, uh, and I had my people call from New Orleans just last week talking about the same thing. So I think uh, it's just the right time to see how we can get the continent to step up uh, and you know, it's not just about sending a petition to UN, which I read in the paper in the news today, that uh, a petition was sent out to, to United Nations. What's that going to do? 
we need to create a dynamics right. that the system will see a major drift and and that's the only time that we'll be respected anywhere uh, let me let me let me let me come out we see because at the end of the day he said anywhere you are as long as you're a black man nobody knows where you come from even when you open your mind it could be a nigerian that's lived anywhere that sounds like a black american so you cannot really really differentiate where a particular person of african descent is from do i strongly feel based on the way the pro the global protests all developed and went global and so 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 while all over the place why do you think the world reacted the way they react one two i am of one thinking you see the world looks up to america to for everything leadership military power show business uh hip-hop everything you know and the world sees the way america treats his blacks that belt his streets belt his railway belt his schools even when they couldn't go and they were never paid for and see how America now treats the black people. And that's exactly the reason why black folks are being treated horribly all over the world. You see, races that, that you, a black man could punch four of them and bust their brains right there. You see someone coming to just to do some crap because they think you're black and you're powerless because your country makes you feel powerless. Do you think the way black folks are treated in America has an impact on how black folks are treated all over the world. Absolutely. I think it's a direct relation to that. <clears throat> I think it's a direct relation to that. And um, it has a lot to do with the media. But to answer your first question, it's I'm going to say, like I answer most questions like that, follow the money. People are reacting this certain way because money has to do with it. So government is business, no matter what part of the world that you're in. So if your business is hurting, your government is hurt, like the U.S. government. So right now, investing in the United States is not a good investment. It's just not right. a good investment. People are burning down major corporations. The stock market is crashing. So invest in the United States is just not a good investment. So where where do you go? You need to follow the money. Where has the money usually gone? What's, what's the recession-proof industry? Agriculture. Everybody needs to eat no matter what's going on. So where's the larger agricultural countries in, in the continent? What are the ones that have the ease of using business? That, 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 that type of stuff. So when we talk about, mm -hmm. when we talk about what, the, what, the, what the pulse of the world looks like and how to further negotiate what this looks like during COVID-19, you have to follow the money at all times, number one. And then number two, look at what the future trends are going to be. So a lot of people are talking about digitizing everything. I know you have a large platform that you've been working on for a while. People need to start investing in those types of things. There's a lot of people that still have money that need to invest right. in something. So now they're scrambling. You got major corporations here in the U.S. that are scrambling to get rid of and just spend money on all types of things. So putting together the shows like this and having these types of conversations i think is where um is where we really get to understanding what the needs are and then working on some solutions i would like to know um from you king coco what does it look like for people of um people that you know in the digital space in the united states what does it look like for stocks what does it look like what does it look like for companies that people have put major money into are people 
running to the digital market and starting to invest more there or people just still holding on to their money? You see, you're taking me to my top, man. Pretty, I like that question because I always wanted to educate my, my listeners and my followers on, 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 on the digital economy because there's a major transformation happening and there is a, a biggest wealth transfer is happening in the history of this country. There's projection of over $30 trillion to be made in another 20, 25 years out of technology. And uh, it's we're almost at, a, at like a 20% startup point. Uh, but in regarding where, where like Larry said, uh, the money, uh, you follow the money because the money, the, the post-COVID situation has really opened up a clear-cut direction of where the big investments are going to be because it's a function of which sector survived better during COVID. What was the sector that really came out you're going to see that the healthcare sector, because a whole lot of, uh, of uh, COVID impact is going to last for another two, three, four years. But what really came out strong was the digital technology space, because uh, uh, everything has changed. Work became remote. Uh, eating became remote. Everything went remote. School became remote. So some countries that had infrastructure leverage on their early uh, early deployment to to run a lockdown economy but in africa it was more of a shutdown economies because there were no infrastructure to work from home you understand what i'm saying so in terms of where the investments are i will strongly put all my money in, on, on technology on digital technology not just in terms of buying stock but in terms of investing directly to all some of these digital infrastructures because the world is at the verge of a whole new mindset a whole new way of doing things a whole new way of living just like facebook has come to stem become a two billion uh, uh, community two billion book community the world has seen, has seen that the emphasis on digital communities not my word digital communities is becoming very strong you know okay, so okay. you can so see that Let's talk, let's talk about that, King Coco, because there's yeah. a lot of people now talking about because of these protests and riots and stuff, and now we need to start turning to these black digital platforms. So what does right. that look like when everybody's talking about let's go, let's go digital and these digital platforms is where you invest your money in? What do we what does that look like as for black people with all these different ones that are not just popping up, but some of that have been around and people just haven't paid attention to? How do we figure out which ones, how do we collaborate? All of these, as you know, black people, everybody got to have one. So now there's 55 different, and there's only one Facebook. There isn't 55 Facebooks. So why doesn't some uh, one black person me, I, know, I, I know where you're going. I know where you're going right now. Keep it, keep it there right there. Listen, digital communities have been in existence for a while. And let me open one more, open up on a different sector now, tied to the digital economies. This is where the world is going. This is the post- COVID situation, dollar will not be the global trading currency again in a very short window, okay? Because right. of what you have going on currently, the distraction mm -hmm. in, in, uh, in the, uh, the, the leadership, American leadership. So there is going to be a hold. So the world is now threatened in so many frontiers. So the technology space is drifting towards what they call a digital economy. What's a digital economy? 
we're looking at almost 70, 80 percent of transactions currently all on a digital platform right now. You know what I'm saying? And that transaction has to be done with, with a credit card or a debit card, which is tied to dollar denomination, okay, and converted across the globe, okay? But what's going to happen is that, and now if there is a transaction issue, it has to now be resolved through the merchants, the card owners, you know what I'm saying? But right. if all the communities, digital communities come together that are doing stuff similar, let me just use a word, a case like Facebook, post YouTube, post Alibaba, post uh, Bezos, that's already almost 70% of global transactions. You know what I'm saying? And now let's right. say, okay, let us come up with a digital denomination, a cryptocurrency that we can all accept on, uh, on this platform. So they are collapsed into one big platform and now introduce a non-dollar denominated. You can as well buy the unit with your dollar, it doesn't matter, but they have your, your digital cryptocurrency on its own value that would not do anything right. on that platform. So that's where the world is going. The investment point of it, what's the investment right now? The, 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 my fear of this era is the fact that we are very less trusting of each other and the likelihood of equally knowing deep on digital deployment and investment is limited to people that might have money. And they don't have, and they don't have the trust if they're listening to a specialist talking this down. You know what I'm saying? So the chances right. are that a lot of black folks will be left out of the digital economy. They are not investing. Yeah. On, let me tell you, one of the biggest deployment of digital economy is one application called Salesforce. Salesforce is designed to create multiple portals. What you guys call portals, where you could ask questions, you could answer questions, you could query and resolve your question without picking a phone to call nobody. You have an issue within the community. Everybody knows what happens. It will share knowledge. And then with a stroke of a, of a mouse, all your social media handle and of everybody that's on that portal can just be, be reached with a message right from that portal. So it, it, it delivers a whole lot of consistent interaction, sometimes very entertaining to users. So that is where the world is going. And it's very important that we now strategize and start talking to people that might have a little money because you're still going to die broke if you don't do something with the money today. I don't know if I answered your question, please. <laughs> right. So I know some people that a couple of years ago started black, a black cryptocurrency. They've been talking about it, doing some kind of conversations over in Africa and all of that. I know some people that have some black platforms that are for uh, retail shopping. Uh, we buy black, for instance. Um, let's let's buy black. Uh, 365 is another one that's doing some work in Ghana. So. I know all of these things, right? So then how do I get this information? Who, Where is the starting point from the other side for all of these places that the Facebook um, owner went to Ghana <clears throat> to think about opening a facility? Google's already over there. So if these major corporations are doing having headquarters in African countries and uh, we have so many problems with access to capital and credit and, and people not just giving Black folks access to even do business, let alone big business here in the U.S., why isn't there somebody, or maybe there needs to be somebody in this conversation that's hearing this somewhere 
um, think of an opportunity of a country to go to where we build a headquarters for all of these individual uh, entities that we have that I even know about myself. I have three of them right now that can uh, come together and form a conglomerate somewhere in an African country where it wouldn't cost that much money. We wouldn't need a lot of access to capital. We can get free land from some some places, depending on where we go. There, there's so much opportunity. I just don't know at this point because of COVID-19 and all of these other things happening, police brutality and people just trying to get on the media. And all, there's so much thing going on right now that I feel like I'm the only sane one sometimes thinking about the future and what that looks like. But I think a lot of people need to think about that. Like that, you have to follow the Africa is the is the cradle of all creation, and it will be that until the end. So why wouldn't you go build something there? And the rich people did it, and white people been doing it for centuries. So I think that's where we need to start, King Coco. I think you have a lot of insight in what that looks like because you're connected to the government in Nigeria. So I think there's an opportunity to collaborate there first and foremost, and people like me to get some contracts to then be able to subcontract that out to some other people over here to collaborate with some opening some businesses in these countries. Like these things can be done. I just think we need to collaborate more. See, listen, you're just saying, I think, uh, like I said, uh, this interaction is one of the best things that's gonna happen to a whole race and a whole generation. Because uh, what you're just saying now uh, is something that we have to sort out of, of the show and now know where to send what to. Because if you have, three companies that are basically digital companies with such capacity that are interested in in, in, in laying out out there and uh, and I know I am working I'm consulting in that capacity so I should be able to take them to have a take them into that country uh, properly you know what I'm saying is all about us uh, started dealing it from here because right now the awareness is pretty high you know everybody's looking at uh, uh, to to the Black American, everyone will gladly open their arms, open their doors. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, we're gonna have to come up with a program. Uh, I'm gonna call it one on one, where you take one African American back home at their own cost, apart from his ticket, probably let him just let, let him not have the pain of having to do what to eat or what to drink or where to go for whatever that period of the first visit. So we have to come up with such programs, and uh, like you just said. Uh, we can take these guys in there. Uh, off the show, uh, we're going to probably have to meet a little more often and sit down and come up with uh, those packages and uh, we'll direct them appropriately. Because uh, thank God that uh, we're all of age. Uh, Africa is where I live, where I grew up. And I, I have deep-rooted relationships uh, over there much better than here. So we should leverage on that. You know, So let's just note some of these areas you're talking about and these collaborations. We put stuff together and uh, open up those avenues and get them local partners because that's where they now have the knowledge to invest. That you are coming with an investment because we're not taking tourism to Africa. We're taking investors to Africa. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so we're not, you know, no, 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 we're not. Tourism will be later. Right now, it's about the head yeah. of household willing to travel to explore new opportunities to move his household if he wants that later. Okay. So we're going to keep it yeah. like that. But I, I'm I'm go, I'm sharing this with you. We God 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 willing, we have relationships that could help us get this done. It's all to the benefit of the of my country, because uh, like I say, until Nigeria gets going, I bet you the entire race will still struggle. 
Because if out of every five black people you see all anywhere in the world, one or two are Nigerian, then it may likely of meeting Nigerian is higher. And that's actually one country that anybody from anywhere in the diaspora from Caribbean can just go in and fit in like he is from one of them villages right from there. Because like you really know, over 65 percent of those that that uh, migrated in that uh, journey of death were from Nigeria. You know, so it's important we step up again. So I'm gonna work with you on that. You know, and you see, it, that's why it's important to communicate and talk. Because if you don't come up with this yeah. discussion, you wouldn't know that there are people that will want to do something. Right now, we need to leverage on the moment because the energy is all different. You, you even heard that in the middle of this craziness, mother of all protests, that a, a white police officer shot a black guy just yesterday night, or therefore yesterday night. And that brought a whole different dimension to the Atlanta issue, where the, uh, the, the, the uh, chief of police had to resign, and and uh, 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 but this guy is like going to try it. So, it's not the best of time. Like when when I saw uh, the, the American government going to a, a, a product war with China, you see, it's very interesting to really have people that could think deep because we live in an era of business thinking. If you are not a thinking business ad, you might not even see an opportunity that is really, really right on your face. Okay? So I was of the opinion that if America is fighting with China, on Chinese product or throwing so much tariff on their product. And China is doing the same thing. Automatically, what implies is that any other source, either the supplier or an end user or demand end, could, you could take advantage of it. But apparently, I did not see yeah. any country take advantage of it because I even realized that I, I, I met an I met American contingent in Nigeria that came there to source for our outlet for, for soy meal, which is what serious countries do. You start international yeah. dispute and see how you can leverage it for your people. But that was that was not yeah. happening. So that's what we're talking about here. We, I'm, I'm honest with you, the vision, white folks go to Africa and make, and make money because they settle, they understand the process, and they're always willing to follow a process to make money. But for some right. strange reason, right. we have been destabilized, we've been disoriented and distracted so much that we no longer have the discipline of following a process. You understand what I'm saying? So we right. don't even think deep to identify opportunities that lies right on our feet, which is what makes the difference between being a wealthy person and not being a wealthy person. You know what I'm saying? But then also, let's take, let's I'm here. Hello? You're on to one-on-one -on -one with King Coco Show, uh, the handshake across the Atlantic. We're streaming on t25cl.com, Galaxy Talk Radio. Uh, we, we run the show every 5 p.m. New York time and 10 p.m. Nigerian time. Our contributors always come across, come across uh, three different continents, the Americas, Africa, and the Caribbeans. So at all times, you're welcome to keep this dial open, keep the wind, this particular window open, because we bring information that could really bring serious level of collaboration among people of African descent. Now is the time to talk and think of how can we uh, adopt the, 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 the partnership uh, goal number 17 in UN SDG goals, 
which is global partnership. How can we partner with the continent to facilitate the return of black folks? Division, are you there? What's up, man? You know, so I just was chatting with my co-host uh, within the last um, uh, 45 minutes. Uh, I really had a opportunity to see that there is a lot to be done to help facilitate the migration of people of African descent back to Africa. The African continent, African leadership must, as a matter of fact, create a program that will encourage people of African descent to re redirect some of their investment and have an alternative place called their own. Because this country right here is not giving them the, the check they promised them, you know, they give them, they've given them a kind of a check. Because you go to schooling system, the racism is there, go to process of employment, you have your racism there, the police is killing blacks all over all over the street like nothing. So the continent of Africa has got to step up. And now is another situation where manufacturing, yeah, I have my boy just coming, manufacturing for Africa for the global market. A good is a gold mine. You can grow agriculture product all year round in Nigeria and many African countries. That's true. And that's what I think countries should do. Not just the, the, the investing countries, people who want to invest in Africa, should see the opportunity where China dependency on China had cost so much of uh, so much to the entire world, and the world now became very vulnerable. So what what what's the takeaway from that situation? Investors have to look for alternative production manufacturing hub. And where else could be better than Africa? You know, I don't like, I don't like, I don't know about flogging issues like this, but it's all about sitting back and really understanding what are the opportunities on the table. Do you have low hanging fruits? Are they really low? Are they really hanging? Are they mature? Or what is the next frontier? So for me, it is it is it is totally responsible for leadership not to have a think tank. What is an economic team? What, what do they call economic team? We have all kinds of beautiful names, all kinds of committees that never bring no good back. So we need to have people who are resourceful, who are training with the current situation of what's going on globally to be able to be part of it. Uh, you know. So at the end of the day, if you don't position yourself, see the openings and take advantage of it, facilitate the situation, then who do you blame? You can blame nobody. So it's something that pricks me so much, you know. I just lost connection with my with my co-host, and I totally appreciate the, the 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 aspect she brings to it because I have learned a lot from her, and I'm gonna really put to life most of the ideas we just spoke over the show. That's why I encourage everybody to watch the show, send me your messages, or send me a message on my private message. Let us discuss if you're willing to partner with investor from. A black American that wants to come home. What are the opportunities? Because we're going to actually consistently make sure that we track the entire process so that the whole issue of some brother coming back home, losing money doesn't arise. We'll ensure that all areas of choice that you want to do we, can be really validated and the right partner is paired up with you so you can actually go out there and do the best you want to do. It is sick and tiring. You know, the living in America is, is is hell for a black folks. I can imagine what what mothers feel about this country. It's so sick that it's it, it, it acts to the stomach, man. 
you know? How, how on earth will you undervalue the life of human beings? If I had to choose my color, I probably would choose white. Or if I had to choose where I come from, I wouldn't want to go come from one village in a quiet You know what I'm saying? So we don't choose a family. We don't choose a village. We don't choose our brothers. We don't choose a race. So, and then you say you're, you're, you're a Christian of what? That you're the person, that you're a church person? That you're the Christian, that they want to need the Episcopal or whatever. What is that? It doesn't make any sense. And yet you hate your black man. A man that has done nothing to you. What what the what's the whole world about? I love what's going on in America. And this is for real. It's never been like this. I want people to understand that for once we will get what we deserve out of this place. We are given a kind of a check. And a black dude who had a genuine 20 bucks just died because some some guys claimed he had he had a fake $20 bill. But the check that the American government gave to black folks cannot be cashed. There's no money in the bank. Black folks are robbed every day in a systemic fashion. You don't have no bank next to you, so you gotta use a, a, a check cashing system. You know, your insurance uh, for, at the secondary market doesn't work nothing. So, in the second, the secondary market uh, buyers don't even value your insurance. So they can then give you any kind of insurance. Meanwhile, you pay the same stuff with the white guy. Come on, man. We can do better, man. That's why the African continent got to step up its acts, man, because it can't work like this. We can't transfer this responsibility to the next generation. We got to figure it out. We got to figure it out because it's, it's, it's such a shame, man. It makes you feel like a lesser man. And, and, and the system has been able to indoctrinate the black Americans that we know good. And the same thing is being told us about them, that they're no good. At the end of the day, they don't want us to walk. They don't want to see us unite. All they want us to do is keep on fighting each other. These are the words about. Dude had seen everything happening here. The world would never see peace, man, because until your color of your skin does not determine your value in the streets of America, anywhere in the world. You know what I'm saying? Let us be judged by the content of a character. We are very decent people. After you say Nigeria, the most educated uh, immigrant in America, it's 70% of black doctors in America and Nigeria. But you can't give them some respect. But you highlight hush puppy that you obviously knew was a scammer. Everyone has a scammer. Every country is scamming people. It's not just Nigerian that scam people. It's not just black folks that scam people. Where did he scam an African word? No. Scam came from is an English word. So they must have been doing crap like that before our people decided to touch it too. So what are we talking about here? Let's let's really address issues, man. So that's why I brought up this show. So we can continuously talk. We can consistently talk with each other. We can consistently uh, appreciate each other. Hello, Davishna. Are you back on the trail? Yes, I'm you know? here. Sorry about that. I'm oh, cool. Sure okay, sister, you yeah, I Welcome I back, man. I was still writing out here about what the kind of a check America has given to black people. Well, what can you say about this kind of a check that we can never cash? Are you thinking, are you sure you ever cash this check? What What check? Who's giving a check? If the so the that, fake check that America gave to black people. You think you think you can see that's, that's what I'm asking. I'm confused. I don't I don't know that there was a check ever given. I, this is this is obviously a figurative conversation because I didn't get a check. My grandmother didn't get a check. 
My great grandmother. It was the promise of a good life, high living, the, huh. the, country, the country on the hill. You know, is that not the check we're talking about? It wasn't a physical check. We promised good life, but they denied everything we ever thought of. What the heck is going on, man? But that, but that's my point. Right now, people are talking about a physical check. They want a physical check because to your point, they try all that other stuff. The happiness of life and the pursuit of happiness, that's a joke. That's that we're not gonna get any of that. All of the um access to be able to do business, they burnt down when we had our own Wall Street, where we had our own businesses, where everything was going fine for us, and we were doing fine on our own. What they do, they came and burnt that down. So they don't want us to have there is no there isn't that it's all imagination. That's all smoke and mirrors. That's all, as we would say in 2020 in the east side of Atlanta, that's selling folks a dream. They've been selling black people the same dream for a long time. And now black people have finally woke up and said, oh my God, I've been asleep all this time, believing all these dreams. And now we feel some type of way because we've been lied to. And oh, well, with me, I, I personally, I am Ados. My great grandmother was born a slave here in the United States. So, while I can say about the people that call themselves Ados and the people that are African, the people that are African American, whatever you are, as long as you're black and you live in America and you grew up here and you were born here, especially in the South, then you understand that people right now, they want their money. They want a physical check that is going to give them some type of relief in their mind that they have been given something to, for 400 years of slavery. I don't agree that that's going to be enough. I think that no, because I'm in politics, I know what the system looks like and how the system runs. So I would right. say keep your reparations check, however that much that was going to be, because once you give somebody a reparations check, that's all they're ever going to get, period. There is no well, round two. There is no none of that. That's whatever it is. I hear what he's saying. He said, if they don't give right. us a check, at least let them lift the knee off a neck. Well, well, that well, that's definitely not gonna happen. That's 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 the second point. That's definitely not gonna happen. So what I finished, I was saying the first point is they're not gonna give you a physical whatever physical check they're gonna give you is not enough. What I say, what I want is I want some equity. I want some ownership. So I want some land. I want a permit. We want permanent seats in uh, the Senate or permanent seats in the Congress. I want 400 years of something. That's what I want. I want something for me, my children, my children's children's children. And for the next 400 years, I want something. That's my reparations. And the only thing that I can see the way to get that right now is through whatever they're going to give up for free from now until they're not giving it no more. And I'm going to take as much of it as I can and utilize that like every other every other race that comes to America does the same thing. They get a bunch, they work hard, they get a bunch of money, and what do they do with that money on a weekly basis or a monthly basis? They send that money back home to go bring some more of their people here. And then they all live in the same house. Why? So they're going to get a bigger house. That right. Then they can go collaborate that money some more. That's what every other culture does. But let your cousin them come from out of town in Atlanta, you want to come stay at your house. They can't stay at your house. They got to go get a hotel. They got to go spend some money. And they can't just go get a regular hotel. They got to go get a nice, fancy hotel so that they're doing something. <laughs> That's frivolous spending. Oh, it doesn't no. make sense. And then we wonder why we never get nowhere and we can't collaborate and we can't pool our money together because we're spending our money on ridiculous stuff. I, in Africa, what I was told is you don't, the, the pop-up game is real over there. 
So you can pop up on somebody's house and they have to feed you and whoever you came with and give you some place to lay your head. And if you want to stay there for a week or two, they can't say nothing like that is a whole different scenario. But let somebody pop up over my house and they didn't call first. I could open the door and look at them and pretend that I'm blind and say, I don't see you there. You're not coming in my house because you did not call first. It's really that's just the way that you're brought up here. Right. That's just the way that you're brought up living in America. So I think we have a lot of learning to do. And once again, you just have to follow the money. What are the wealthy cultures doing in this country on a very basic level when they first get here? All of them. The white ones do it too. They all live in the same house. They might not let you know. And it might be some mansion out on Chambly Tucker that has seven bedrooms. And you wonder why there's always four or five cars in the parking lot. Because there's four right. or five families living in that one house. That's right. why. You're very true. Elise, let right. me let me come in right there. Let me come in because I work in, in, in the technology space. Okay. And I want to tell you that the, my biggest annoyance with the systemic racism today in America is the fact that they've been looking down on trying to hold back the black man and while all other minorities come in here, sneaking quietly and have bought right. over the entire country. I want to be very specific to this. I work with a bunch of Indians in an industry that you could have probably 90% of Indians to 5% black people and probably 10%, say 80% Indian and probably 10% white people. And then, then the other temple, the other minorities. So now the Indian is the, is the consulting company. The Indian is the recruiting company. The Indian right. is the is the HR. Or, and guess or, what? They all live technology. in the same house, and they all ran no, that yeah, network all, marketing yeah, company. Let me blow your mind here, man. I, I discovered something that there's so much gaming going on in America, and that the American economy is being fleeced of billions of dollars every day. Because what I found out was that I, I'm an agile transformation coach. I was managing four teams, you know, for 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 in Equifax. I don't know. I'm sorry to mention the name. I was managing four software development teams, and my 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 when I was being hired, I was told to track the performance of these four teams that the, the team was suspected to be gaming the system in in digital uh, industry. When you say you're gaming the system, it's like you you just putting more men on the job and doing very little. Right. You know what I'm saying. Right. And just letting the job sit on the workflow to make it look like there's a whole lot of work to be done. But at the end right. of the day, when it's close to the time to deliver the job, you always deliver the job. So I was right. asked to 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 analyze, evaluate this team, uh, create the necessary metrics to track the team performance to see if they were gaming the system. So I'm uh, talking about it for the power company in America. Be honest with you. And I went in there with the whole mindset of, of, of doing a job as, as an agile coach. Set up my metrics using a typical tool, that collaborative tool that they were using, Jira. And uh, I've really found out that the, the, the consultants were employing people, exploiting the HB1 visa uh, situation. And now they were now employing more people and bringing them into America than the, the amount of job this people were actually doing. So what yeah. do they do? They keep the job. If you give it, let me say, give you 40 points to do in a week for a team. And the real capacity of that team should be 80 points or 120 points. But because 
They're gaming the system, they're overloading the payroll system because it's an hourly pay and it's no little money. I'm talking about $200 an hour job. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So they were now flooding, flooding the whole the whole technology space with people from this minority tribe, you know, this Indian tribe from India and China. And at the end of the day, they were no longer having the need to train Americans. Guess what? Right. The real big bull that was happening behind the scene was that most of the people that they were putting on the payroll knew nothing. So they were right. only depending on what they call shadowing in the industry. Shadowing is you able to have some of the better knowledgeable guy that you could easily reach out to maybe in India or in America that could take care of whatever challenge you had to take care of. You know what I'm saying? We don't have the benefit of this. I went in there, created the metrics that right. discovered all this, that this is a gaming system oh, and, and fleecing the country of so much money. And guess what? After two product increment cycle, my consulting company called me that they won't be needing my services again. So wow. how else? Yeah, I'm talking about I'm talking about the biggest security company in this country, the biggest. And the, the white folks in there don't even know what is happening. You understand what right. I'm saying? Because they've equally been intimidated in that sector in totality. I'm talking about if you find white folks in the tech technology space, you won't find more than five to ten percent. You know, because they have this culture of doing what their parents did, farming. A mechanical or hydraulics, they did not identify the fact that software had taken over the entire economy. And talk about jobs that are paying twice or three times the average salary earned by an average salary earned of $39,000. The average income in technology right. space is 80, minimum income is eight, lower end is 80, the high end is 200. So you see the fact that folks are busy chasing black folks not giving the opportunity, not giving them training to be able to fill this space as open up America to be bought over by a whole different set of minorities who equally fly under the color of color people. Yeah. I feel me. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I totally agree. How can I, I think I think I, but I think that's a good point and why we need to move forward and go get go get our, our own continent. They came over here and brought us over here take over this and now this is not working there's a whole continent that we as black people have the opportunity to do business and i think we need to do exactly what they did over here we just need to do it in africa that's all but how do we start this this man because i'm um, between me and you i'm willing to talk i'm willing to educate people in the hood i'm willing to uh, i'm always already a friend of the hood so for me the hood is home how do we take this message into the hood let them because it's important we get people to understand what's going on that we are dying for what people are exploiting at no cost to them i'm the top people that started coming here in the in 19 1980 1990 you know none of them were here but we're busy building up the african continent as being the guy that sold people out sometimes it wasn't about selling people out you know we spoke about this in our last show so what do we do to educate the black community in america to understand that the economy is moving and they're about to be left behind again. What do we do? So I think we utilize shows like this. I think we utilize platforms like this to keep having these conversations, number one. 
I think but in addition to just having conversations, I think we need to also collaborate on our successes and then teach people how to do exactly that in exactly the same way, dealing with exactly the same people and not and be unapologetic about it. The Jewish people do the same thing. They do business the same way with the same people. They don't differ and they've been making money for forever. Chick-fil-A does the same model. They have the same model and the same thing that they do everywhere and the same type of people that they employ and train. And it's a very extensive um, uh, franchisee program, I hear, to even get a franchise because they are very strict. And they off on Sunday because of their religious beliefs. That's how strict they are. So I think we need to get the model together of what works. And then have the people that have had success at it instead of not telling, reaching back and telling people how to do exactly what they did, thinking that they're going to take something from them. I think it's a mentality thing. I think the people, the one percenters need to realize that, you know, you can't get nothing taken from you that's for you. So what's for me is for me. So I'm going to go make my money the way that I do. And that's not taking anything away from anybody else because it's mine to go get. And that's, that should be the mentality of most people, especially if you're an entrepreneur, that is your mentality. Like you have to go get your own, you have to create your own opportunities. And I think there's a lot of young entrepreneurs out there. I think there's a little amount of seed capital that some people need just to get themselves started is one of the uh, reasons why I joined the Million Dollar Club. I would suggest people go join that um, as well. They give $2,500 in scholarship or in grant money every month for people to start their business. You have to be um, a business that I think is less than two years old or three years old. And they give you $2,500 for whatever you need for that month for being a member of this club. So it's an opportunity for um, a lot of people, young people, the next generation of people that have an entrepreneurial mindset to think about ways to collaborate, not just their intellectual property, but their funds. And then for the one percenters to come back and start giving not not even their money, but their knowledge of exactly what they did in some of these industries like cybersecurity. Perfect example. Those are good paying jobs. How many black men are in cybersecurity? Like not a lot, but that's apparently a skill that you can learn. Salesforce is another thing that you already mentioned is a skill that can be learned that a lot of black people can go to. I think we just need access to information. Also, it's a very big one that I talk about all the time. It's just giving people information to what's out there and taking them through the, exactly through the process of how to get there. We can all have some money and go do what we want at that point. That's 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 the whole idea. When you see the UN has digital collaboration inclusive, digital inclusion as one of their primary goals because uh, certain communities struggle to have access to to digital information uh sometimes even the access to digital platforms so the you ask about um you did ask about coming digital communities that is why this is so important and i, I work with uh I, we need to work with people that are interested in these areas who are willing to put their money where their money is to flood these digital platforms because as a matter of fact, that's but where we can... But here's the other thing, King Coco. You just, you just said it. The UN is looking for this. That's a government contract. The this and the Ministry of This is looking for this. There's plenty of money in all these governments and all these African countries and in the US 
for all of its inclusion in digital technology and infrastructure and construction and all different types. There's free money everywhere. I've been on a government tendered website for the African continent, for West Africa, North Africa, Asia, and uh, South America. So I get government contracts. From all, I had a four-hour uh, four conversation online with somebody in Mongolia that does the, that's the purchasing officer for some contract in Mongolia. Like there's just a whole, the whole world market is open, I think at this point. So we don't need to talk about just what's going on in the United States. The digital market has been open. I think we're just getting access to it now, but I need black folks to understand that it's not just, oh, I gotta have this job in the US doing IT. You can do ICT all over the world and be getting paid just like the Indians did. They outsourced the whole a whole country. The United Store, the United States stopped doing business in the United States and started outsourcing everything to India. India took over a I'm whole country, the whole United States market at one point where there were no jobs at all anywhere. They weren't even teaching technology classes like that because they had outsourced it to like that's a powerful, that's a power move for one culture yeah, to, be able to do that. Because why? Everybody did the same thing and they learned the same thing. The powerful movement. I just have a comment on, on, on Facebook Live. Say a lot of African Americans are not aware of the massive development going on in Africa. The Chinese and Indians are seeing what they can see and taking advantage of opportunities here. Hope they will right. wake up soon. You know, so these are all what we've right. been talking about. But my problem is that living and working in America in this sector, I can tell you that I have not met a pure African American having worked in in a uh, in a population of about that's the eight hundred workers. I don't think I met up to three pure African American men, but I met a lot of ladies that were pretty doing what I was doing. Black American ladies actually trained one to have a certification and she had a job right away. I want to even ask, so why does the system provide the support black women than black men? Well, let's stop right there. So the system doesn't support either one of us. Let me just start there. So black women not only take care of themselves or whoever they're taking care of, but the system is not generated just to help us. We just multitask better. That's just a plain and simple answer that I can give you. Men in general are not good at multitasking, period. As a woman, you have to multitask your house, your kids, your husband, your boyfriend, your job, whatever else. If you run a business, then it's just basically the same way you maintain your household, especially if you have smaller children. It's just a lot of multitasking. <laughs> going on so women are taking better opportunities that can do more at one time that that's the the plain simple basic answer now if you want to get into the philosophy of the government's at responsibility behind it i think it's still not the same because the government doesn't give women or black women any special provisions to be able to do anything outside of what a black man can do the problem is that the black man is being erased off of the entire equation in general by being sent to jail or just killed in the street at this point. So the ratio of black women to black men doing anything in any industry is going to be highly disproportionate to not have a lot of black men because they're being erased. 
just period, whether you've been sent down the road underneath the jail for doing something minor, having having too much cannabis at some time in some state that's something, or you're outside jogging in a neighborhood because you want to be a healthy individual and they chase you down in the street and chase you down and shoot you in the street. That's what black male life looks like in America right now and has been for a while. So black women are seeing the same, the same thing the um, person on Facebook Live just said about all these other races seeing the opportunity and going for it. I think black women are realizing that the opportunity um, for, uh, right now is to get our voice heard. And I'm gonna need black women to not think that it's okay to let white women come culture, vulture, and snatch this episode too. Cause the women's movement was, some, was something else for, for something that did not include like the women's movement and the black women's movement is not the same movement. It ain't. Black lives matter and all lives matter, but black black lives ain't all lives. It's black lives. And black women go through black women stuff. So I need black women, now that we have realized what this opportunity is and are taking a full advantage of it, I think we need to go get some more black men and help elevate them and help mm -hmm. them do what they need to do so we can all help each other. Because at this point, we have a whole squad of people. We don't just have the United States, East Coast, West Coast, Black folks. We got all the Africans that live anywhere in the United States united with us. We have Africans right. in, on the continent everywhere united with us. So as the leading power and what everybody is looking towards is how we're being treated, is the why we're burning stuff out in the streets. It's why we're showing a force of power because we feel like our people got us at this point. Somebody got our right. back now. So now we're getting ready to show out. So now that we're right. showing out in business and showing out and burning stuff in the street and showing out that we don't care no more, we just need to jump on the opportunity. But black men need um, need to be included in the plans for that. Mm -hmm. And black men don't need to feel like they're being brought along or they don't have as much mm -hmm. power as they have. They just need to realize that right now we got a gift as black women. Just let us give it to you. Be quiet. Take it. And go do what you need to do, and let's not argue about it. We can argue about this shit later. We have to go get this money right now. I need black women and black men to work together, no matter what part mm -hmm. of the African continent, African American, Nigerian, whatever that looks like, and men to you know get your pride together, and let's just go do some business. Let me, let me, let me, let me ask you something else. Mm -hmm. Do you think that? Um, Okay, let me not say the least thing. What can be done within a community to re-energize black folks, black men in particular, because I have a lot of my friends, black folks uh, out here, and I understand the psychology, you know, feeling like the system has no place for them, which is, I'm, I'm gradually getting to feel like that. But uh, the most important part of it is the fact that uh, we're losing the family fabric. We're losing that uh, that relationship quotient between a, mm -hmm. a black American woman and a black American man. That is seriously mm -hmm. chasing. How can we, or where can we start that discussion from? Well, that was that that was my point. There is there has always been what we think is supposed to be, what the traditional roles of a woman and a man's marriage and how that's supposed to go. Reality, in the sense of where we live in right now, is that there's right. an opportunity for us to help each other. 
But in order for us to help each other, I, as the woman, have to be able to go do something in this moment right now. That doesn't mean have anything to do with you. That doesn't mean the family right. fabric is broken and I now have a penis and I run shit. That's not what that means. That is not mutually exclusive. It has nothing to do with the other one. That just means right now in this moment, I have an opportunity to go do something to help us, to help you help us in the long right. run. But I got to be able to go do it right now. And we really can't debate about it. We really can't talk about how you feel about it. Because for the most part, you're now living what it is to be in the life of a woman. We live in, in behind typically what our husband says and what that traditional family value looks like. For most people, and no matter if our husbands have moronic, stupid ideas, we are 100% going to back you with it. And yes, baby, you could do that. And I believe in you and the blah, 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 and all this and the third. And that's perfectly fine. But right now, in this one moment, there needs to be an opportunity for men to just check their feelings at the door, work with women that have an open door to go do some things that we may not have regularly need, met, uh, been able to do before, and realize what the power that women have. Women are negotiating things from the, t- from the time you come out of their body to the time you go into the boardroom. Somebody's wife either made their husband happy the night before they went to this meeting or not, is how he's going to react in that boardroom. Wars have been started over women. World wars yeah. have, been starting over, have been started over women. So women are very powerful, and we understand yeah. why that's so uh, fearful I mean, for men I mean, to I mean, take some shit over. I mean, We're not going to take anything let over. Me, we just need a moment. Let me tell you, the, the slave revolution in Haiti, do you know why it succeeded? It was because it was it succeeded because the 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 slave masters were now looking at the black women and appreciating mm-hmm. them and were now focused on sleeping with the black women while abandoning their own white women and their daughters. And you know the mandingos that came in some of those ships now they exploited the opportunity and that's how the white woman collaborated with the slaves to provide them with logistic information of where the white folks were keeping the arms and all that shit. And that's how they took over that plantation and, and, and started the slave revolution. So you are very much on point. But as a, but as a man, it's, it's pretty difficult. You know what I'm saying? Because you, you can say that you can say that as a lady because, you know what I'm saying, men are wired live differently. Men are wired from right. the and, and you know what? what what's worth right. having is worth fighting for, and it's not going to be easy. Nobody said it was going to be easy, but it's necessary. I know. I, I agree with you. So, but equally, because I I get to know the black American woman and the black American men coming to live here, and I tell you that something each has to give for them to because. Right. You know what I'm saying? First of all, that, that adrenaline as a man drives it in a whole different way. You know what I'm saying? That it's not easy not yeah. to have a discussion and just hope that all will be well. Because nine out of ten times, the woman herself being out there with that exposure and probably having some better things to come back home, equally loses his own sense of responsibility as a woman. And that's where all the issue right. pops up. You know what I'm saying? 
But so, I, I, so, I mean, I don't, I'm not married, so I, can, I don't know what that looks like for our married folks, but as a, as a single person and having to work with married men and uh, knowing what that looks like, especially in a political environment, being a woman in my field, I realize um, that it's hard and it's hard for men to take, um, to take uh, suggestions, guidance, instructions from women. But when you look at most of these powerful men, their offices are ran by women. Their assistants are women. Their wives are women. They have daughters, you know, all of that. So, no, it's, it's not. I realize it's going to be hard, like I said. And it's going to be hard just mentally to wrap your mind as a man and men in general around what that looks like. But it's not it's not uh, permanent. It's only temporary. And it's only you enough. Know. So I would say in the next five to 10 years, once the world has gotten to where the new normal is going to be, I think it's going to take a good five or 10 years for there to be some sustainability. Um, in that time between that five and 10 years, there's going to be a lot of women-led stuff that's going to be highly successful. And then the women are going to start getting old and they're not going to be having as many children because they're going to be busy running businesses. So there's going to be an influx of men, which is why we need to be on the African continent and not in the United States with all these other nonsense going on so that our children are brought up to have black babies to have those black values and then come to this country just like every other race does and come make our money and then go home. Okay, okay, I think okay, once, okay. We, once we get in that rotation over the next five or 10 years, because that's where it's going. A lot of people are interested in moving to Africa. I'm moving to Africa. A lot of people are interested in doing business in Africa that weren't normally that are African-American. So I think the next five or 10 years is going to be an influx of business of African-Americans doing business on the continent. But I think we need to carry that forward from there and start thinking about, you know, 20, 30 years from now and like building headquarters, like I said, for things, places like Google and, you know, these black led companies that all of us know about. So we can, you know, build some legacies for our future generations to come on the continent. That's my goal. I totally agree with you, man. I hope, I hope, uh, I hope that part comes to pass, man, because, uh, I see the need for that handshake to be sustained across the Atlantic. I see the beauty of collaboration among all of us because uh, we all share the same profiling, the same stress anywhere as a black person. And uh, I look forward to an opportunity where I'll be part of a process that drives endless number of Black Americans, people of color from the Caribbean towards Africa again, because uh, our, our ancestors uh, did whatever happened at that time, but uh, a generation has to fight back to correct all these misgivings. And I, I've dedicated that I'm going to do that. I'm going to stay on point. I'm going to be sincere with whoever I come across. And I see a whole lot of collaborative uh, situations coming out of this this platform we're talking because uh, I just picked up an idea that we can actually create opportunity to match investors mm -hmm. with co-investors in the continent that have been vetted and uh, have the discipline to build a whole new process like uh, what we're talking about here, investments and watching it grow and uh, watching it uh, transfer to another generation 
and now coming to America just to spend money like we want to. So uh, I think we're running out of time. It's pretty much a very interesting interactive session we had, uh, uh, Ms. Johnson, and um, I have heard, and I'm sure yes. a lot of people have heard. We've had a lot of feedback on, uh, on Facebook. We will follow that and see how we can uh, integrate what we've done. But I promise you something. When we get out of this, this program, okay. I, will, I will sit with you and talk, and then we'll see how we can put some of those. Uh, because leadership sometimes needs to be directed. You know what I'm saying? We can't give what you don't know. We can't offer what you don't have. Yeah. Uh, and finally, a lot of time, yeah. because of how we use leadership yeah. in Africa, is not always the best guy that gets the job. Even here in America, it's all about how you can come out and make noise to make people notice you. And that's how you win elections. It doesn't necessarily mean that uh, you were the best to be right. able to bring the benefit to the people. But uh, like I've already started doing my advocacy on digital transformation. I started at the leadership angle of it because I know that Africa is a leadership-driven society. And by that, what I mean is that if the leadership gets it right, then it's easy to drill down, okay? But if the leadership don't get it right, yeah. then it's gonna be another journey that you're gonna feel like you should just give up and quit, you know? So, so far, I'm really getting their consent, yeah. I'm getting their attention, because uh, post-COVID, I've had almost everybody that I taught, I've taught almost 30-something senators in London before I got here. I've had a couple of them that are heading different committees in the Senate call me. One of them is the Foreign Affairs, Chairman Foreign Affairs Commission, because I strongly believe that uh, foreign affairs policy has to change at this point. You know what I'm saying? Look at America is on fire today right. because they were rolling on laws that came up post-slavery. And uh, between me and you, right. uh, foreign affairs policy must have been formed post-independence. You know what I'm saying? Which means it might have been right. equally formulated by the departing colonial masters that might never serve the benefit of the people of African descent anywhere else in the world. So, so there's a need to reevaluate the content and the direction of our foreign affairs policy and see if we need to retweak it to actually accommodate the new challenges. Because right now, uh, they're not responding the way I would have loved them to respond. Black race all over the world is looking for leadership. And that leadership has to come from that continent. Even though you had a lot, of, uh, a lot of successful black folks all over with even much more money, a lot of money, but at the end of the day, you want to build your race on culture, on tradition, on history. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I sincerely thank you very much for your time today. And I want to remind all of us that I'll be able to sign in and tune in today on Facebook, YouTube, or the T25TL.com channel that you were listening to One on One with King Coco show. It's called the handshake across the Atlantic for people of African descent, wherever they are in the world, to collaborate, communicate, and sort out areas of interest and leverage on opportunities that are available to them. I love doing what I'm doing, and I try to sustain it as much as I can. I seek collaboration in contribution content and or whatever. So I appreciate everyone that found time to be with us. Keep 5 p.m. on. And uh, send us your email so we can actually invite you to officially uh, be in a panel so you can actually contribute directly, and that's fine with us. Uh, my co-host, Ms. Uh, Johnson, I thank you for today. A whole lot. It's been pretty much very interesting show. 
I look forward to having you in, in the studio one of these days to do what we know how to do best. Have a wonderful evening. Are you there, sister? Hello?